entrepreneurship is great, but can also seem overwhelming. Wouldn't you like to know the pros, opportunities, and problems with different business and investment strategies before you jump in? Well then, welcome to Entrepreneurship Exposed. Woo! Let's go. I love it. That's dope. There we go. Welcome everybody to another episode of Entrepreneurship Exposed, where we are going to dig into the trenches of entrepreneurship. We're not only going to focus on the glitz and the glamour. We're not only going to focus on, you know, driving around in Lamborghinis. We're going to also focus on the problems with different entrepreneurship models. And we always tie it back to how to buy a business with no money out of your pocket. So today, we got another great guest with me, another amazing person who's doing amazing things in his industry, in the entrepreneurship world overall, Michel Valbrun, the tax master himself. <laughs> What's going hey. on? How you doing, brother? <laughs> What's good, bro? It's an honor and a pleasure to be here. It's a pleasure having you. Looking forward to this conversation because yep. at the same time, I'm scared of this conversation. <laughs> because people get scared whenever it got anything to do with taxes, right? I know the tax so, man. You know, so but tell the people more about you. Tell it. Get, let me hear more about your background and how you even got into this whole space. Yeah, it's crazy. So for me, I'm originally from South Florida. So my parents are from Haiti. So I'm I'm of Haitian descent, and that's where the name Michel comes from. So Michel, that's actually my grandfather's name, and it's a French name as well, and it was interesting. So my parents came to the United States really to give my sisters and I an opportunity to be able to live the American dream. But through that experience, you know, we had some interesting life experiences down at, down in South Florida. One of them being, uh, interestingly enough, I was eight years old. I was waiting for my mom to get home. I was, I'm a mama's boy. So I was waiting for my mom to get home one evening. So I'm, you know, in the living room, just waiting on her. I hear her pull up to the house and she's, I hear the door start opening. I start running to the door and, you know, the door is opening slowly. I'm looking up at her. You know, I see this look of like, you know, fear on her face, like just shock. Like, I was like, what's this is weird. And this, mind you, I'm like eight years old. And I'm looking and I look to the right of her and I see a gun point at her head. Right. And I'm just like, what? This is crazy. So the person behind her, I'd never seen this person before. This is, this is a Haitian man. He was just like, Did you got so there? Right? Which means tell the boy to get on the floor in Creole. So I'm going back. I'm like on the ball of my feet. I'm like nervous. I'm, you know, scared. You know, I lay down on the floor. The floor is cold. We had some towel floor back then. And then more people just start coming in. And they start bringing in my sisters and they start bringing the other family members and stuff in the, in the living room. Everyone's laid out. My grandmother's visiting from Haiti. I got an uncle who's visiting from Haiti. They're asking my mom, you know, where's the money? Where's the money? My mom goes to the living room and there's like a shoebox full of money and they take the money. They run out like, I don't know how many thousands, but it was a lot of money. And they end up taking that money or whatever the case is, come to find out the reason why we had that money in the shoebox because my dad didn't want to pay taxes. Right. Mm -hmm. So he was trying to do what's called tax evasion. So he wasn't trying to he wasn't trying to pay taxes. So that's the way he was doing it. He thought he could just keep the money in cash. The government wasn't going to find out. The IRS was going to find out. Well, they found out. And because of that, my dad ended up going to going going to prison jail for tax evasion. Ultimately, that led him to get kicked out the country. And, you know, we basically were left my mom, you know, my two sisters. My mom was basically left to to raise me and my sisters by myself. So for me, it was a very pivotal moment in my life because then I realized I was just like, yo, you know, 
whenever I grow up. You know, I want to make sure that obviously I make money legally and ethically because I saw like one, how people were willing to literally rob and kill, you know, almost kill people. Fortunately, no one died from that experience. Yeah. And then also too, you know, how it broke up my family with my dad going to jail and then him getting kicked out the country. So I was just like, yo, to preserve my family legacy and to really, you know, ch- change this thing around, you know, I decided to get into entrepreneurship and then eventually even taxes or whatever the case is. I was even sure if I wanted to do taxes in particular, but, you know, just life circumstances kind of led me back to, you know, the thing that, you know, kind of broke up our family, which is, which was taxes. So it's crazy. Uh, okay. Wow. So we're taking a, a, a little turn on the episode today because I got to say something too, because you just inspired me to tell a story that's very similar. It's actually something that got me to where I am today in high school, you know, so I'm Caribbean again, Jamaican. Yeah. And, you know, I was living in New York from around like 12 uh, in Brooklyn, New York. And I didn't really know nothing. I had no guidance, especially no male guidance. So for me, it was like, you know, I didn't really know anything about college or anything like that. To be honest, what made me decide I wanted to go to college was I was watching A Different World. I don't know if you remember that show. Yeah. (laughs) And that's what inspired me. And something else happened that kind of changed my life from, you know, kind of being on the streets to, yeah, I need to change things. And what that was is I had had a job since ninth grade and I was working at a sneaker store. And I came home. At this time, we were living in an apartment building. And I came home from work and I walk, I open the door and I'm like, mom, I'm like, why is it? What are you doing? Like, the, the, as soon as you open the door, there was a closet right in front of you. And the closet was like all disheveled, like everything was just thrown on the floor. And when I was like, what are you doing? So I'm yelling to her in the back. I'm like, mom, what's going on? And then somebody comes from the back with a gun to my head. Mm-hmm. That person had my mother and her cousin tied up in the back. Wow. To this day, I kind of believe that he was involved. But apparently what happened was he was coming to see her, her cousin. And he says that while he was at the bottom part of the, the apartment building, they came to, you know, put a gun to his head and said, let me, you know, ring it so we could come in and we're going to follow you up. And then, you know, he basically brought the two people up to the apartment and they bust, burst in and, you know, it went from there. But that changed my life too, bro. It changed my life because uh, one, you know, going through that traumatic, uh, traumatic experience, but then two, when I looked at, when the police came and I saw the, um, you know, like they show you the mugshot book to say, do you see anyone that looks like the, per- the people that were here? I saw a lot of people that I knew from around the area in the book. And I, that's when I was like, damn, I hang out with those people. Hmm, this is maybe not the path I should be on. You wow. know what I mean? It kind of opened my eyes to things. And then that's what led me to, listen, I don't really know what to do in life, but, and nobody's telling me anything, but I got to figure something out. Right. And that's, I think the nature, the DNA of an entrepreneur is I got to figure something out. Right. You're, you're tired of the path you're on and everybody has, I think some story, whether it's to that level of what you and I just, you know, revealed or not, but it could just be, you know, I'm at my wits end. Inflation is going crazy. It costs, I spoke to my brother the other day. He said that he's spending like three, $400 a week on groceries. Right. You know, things are bad. They raised the interest rate a few points yesterday, you know, going into that fully bear market. In my opinion, the the uh, recession is just starting. So some people feel like, oh, yeah, we've already been in it 
for a while. So it's, we're probably on our way out. Nah, it's just starting, I think. And, you know, things could get a lot worse, but we have to survive. And I think I, I like my odds as an entrepreneur because I've already been, hey, I got to survive <laughs> for years now. Right. So even when things are good, I feel like, yeah, I got to survive, right? Like I'm always, it took a few years for, of me feeling like, wow, I'm making money, but at any moment, somebody could come take this away somehow. Right. <laughs> so, you know, I had to, I was always kind of on guard, you know what I mean? But that's, uh, I'm glad that you were willing to share that story. It is a powerful story and it's just, you know, a, a good example of how people could use their experiences to get into being an entrepreneur overall. So, so ultimately you chose taxes. Yeah. Right? And how did that go for you? What was your first, you know, your approach into the industry? Were you immediately saying, Hey, I'm going to start a tax business or I'm going to be a CPA and just do people's taxes uh, alone? Or, you know, there's a difference from self-employed to yep. being a business owner. So how yep. did that work out for you? Yeah, it's, that's, that's another great question. So another story with that. So, yeah, so I was, I was going to, so, you know, I ended up going to, to college, ended up going to the university of Florida I got my match bachelor's and master's there for accounting and, you know, ultimately became a CPA. But during that experience too, you know, I was wanted to get some, you know, business experience, real world experience. So I was actually volunteering for this organization called Vita. So they do basically they allow you to do people's taxes for free. So I'm going through and I'm doing the taxes for free, whatever, usually for lower income individuals I'm going through and I'm doing this tax return for this couple. They have a business. And they ended up owing some money at the end. And the the husband turns to me, he's like, well, okay, we owe all this money. That's fine. You did the tax return, but how do we save money in the future? And I froze. <laughs> like I didn't, I didn't have a good answer for him. I didn't know. And, and it really, it really made me feel like a failure, like as an advisor, as in a preparer, because I was just like, you know, I'm going to this amazing university, university of Florida is like one of the top 10 colleges top 20 colleges in the country as it relates to accounting. So I'm thinking I need to know this, but then I realized that really the education system really prepared me to work in corporate America. It didn't really prepare me to help small business owners with taxes. Right. And, you know, even as a CPA, I had to literally on top of what I already learned on the CPA exam, which again, helps you prepares you to be in corporate America and helps you get exposed to different accounting and tax concepts. I had to literally invest hundreds of thousands of dollars, you know, learning from the top tax experts in the world, top tax attorneys, learning these different strategies. And it really, it really, as I got more into it, I was just like, wow, if I'm a CPA, if I went to literally the best school in the country to understand this stuff and I didn't know, then 99% of the population does not understand this, right? So really for me, it, it turned into an opportunity where I saw I could really, really help a lot of people understanding, you know, the tax code. And then also, too, just because of my personality, because, you know, one of the things I enjoy doing growing up, because I, as you probably probably experienced as well, like, you know, the only opportunity that we saw for ourselves, either rapping or, you know, playing basketball or sports or, you know, obviously going to like the streets or whatever the case is for me, you know, my thing was rapping. So I wanted to be a rapper, so, but I thought that the interesting thing was with my personality and my creativity, I was just like, yo, I could really create a way and create a lane to where I can educate people on something that's very complex, break it down in simple terms and make it very relatable. So that's kind of how I got into it. And then once I started focusing more on like helping people proactively save money on taxes, that's when, you know, things really started taking off for me. That's when I really 
created like a blue ocean for myself. And yeah, so that's, that's kind of how I got going. Mm, I love that. I love that. And you know, I always dance around this topic, right? But I loved my college career, loved it. Wouldn't have traded it for nothing. For but sure. at the same time, college tends to treat, show you some like a foundation of learning, a foundation of information, but you'll see quickly that you're not fully prepared for the real world after that. So college shows you how to be a CPA, how to file taxes, et cetera. And then you're like, okay, I'm cool. I'm ready. I'm going to make it happen. And then yeah. in the real world, the clients are like, oh, so how do I save in the future? And you're like, well, they didn't talk about that before. I'm going to file your taxes. I ain't trying to prepare for nothing in the future. So, yep. so that, that's a very good you know, analogy of just like how, or just a metaphor, I guess, of how college is. You have to take college for what it is. For and sure. It's shifted a little bit recently because of the facts that there's so many, like, uh, what do you call those? Um, incubators, right? So you could go to college for four or five years, or you could go to a business incubator where they put you in front of investors after you put together your business plan and execute it and build your team and et cetera like that, right? So you, you, you have other options. And, and I, I'm glad that you were able to show that path that you took. So now you found the thing that your clients wanted more, that strategy. Mm-hmm that tax strategy. Did you then say, you said that you started to learn from some of um, top CPAs in order to fulfill that, right? So you basically yep. invested in like mentorships and things in order yep. to take it to the next level. 100%. Okay, okay. Yep. Yep. And, so and- mentorships, books, and just like continuing education on it, like really focusing on small business taxes. Cause as you can imagine, you know, at the corporate level it's just, you know, corporate taxes, everything is pretty much streamlined. Everything is just, pretty much set up for you. you just got to go in show up they tell you what to do and you just go ahead and do it but yeah with small business owners is a lot more a lot more things that can happen a lot more variables you know so that's that's kind of yeah the biggest difference that i saw tell me so from the tax filing perspective <clears throat> what would you say is one of the biggest issues or, or, or problems that you see with small business owners what they neglect to do or forget to do or whatever. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of things. So I think the biggest thing I would say is just not really, again, understanding like the opportunities that are out there for them as relates to taxes. Right. So, you know, I share this example all the time, right. I think people really underestimate how much like money we spend on taxes. Right. So everyone, we talk about all these costs that we have in our life. We're paying for rent, utilities, our children's student loan debt, but no one really talks about taxes. Taxes are literally our largest expense, right? So when you think about this, like when you make money, you pay income tax. When you buy something, you pay sales tax. When you buy property, you pay property tax. When you sell the property for more than what you pay for, you pay capital gains tax, right? When you die, right? You could potentially pay death tax, estate tax, right? And you add up all these different taxes. That's literally like 51% of your income. 51% of your income. So to give you some perspective, if you make a dollar, you're paying 51 cents. If you make $10, you're paying $5 and 10 cents. You make a hundred dollars, you're paying $51, $1,000, you're paying 510. If you're making $10 million like bees, you're probably paying 5.1 million, right? In taxes. But the biggest tax of them all, right? That no one talks about is what I call ignorance tax. Ooh, there we go. Talk to it. Talk to it. <laughs> ignorance tax, right? And that's the tax that you pay by not understanding how to proactively save money on taxes, right? So not getting the tools and knowledge and information. One of the things that people don't understand is that a lot of, you know, 
I think society has brainwashed us to say like, okay, the tax code is for the rich and tax code is for the poor. Yeah. Right. But it really isn't like that. Maybe there's a little bit of truth, but really what it comes down to is for the enlightened, the ignorant. Right. So if you are enlightened about the tax code, if you understand that you could proactively save money on taxes, even if you're not, you know, a multimillionaire trillionaire, there's still opportunities for you. So, you know, there's a couple of things that people miss out on when it comes to taxes. Right. So the first thing is deductions, right? So deductions, that's basically what's called a tax write-off. In order to be able to do a tax write-off for a business, you do have to be a business owner. There are deductions for individuals, but many people, just people, the, the fact of the matter is the tax code is geared towards entrepreneurs, business owners, investors, because the government created the, the tax code to incentivize people to do certain things, right? And they want people to be business owners, investors, because that helps increase the economy. You provide jobs, you provide housing, you provide, do all these different things. So as a business owner, you need to maximize your deductions. So deductions and tax write-off. So you want to do that. I could break that down exactly what a tax write-off is, you know, maybe later if we, if we want to get into it tax write-offs, basically buying things for your business that's going to help you grow your business, right? So there's four requirements in order to do it. I call it tax-free. The first part of that free is it needs to be for your trade business or profession. The second part is R, regular. So it needs to be considered regular for your business. The IRS calls that ordinary. E, it needs to be considered essential for your business. So the IRS calls that necessary. What's going to be necessary in order for you to operate your business, utilities, employees, all these things are considered essential and necessary. And last but not least, economical. So it needs to be considered economical for your business. The IRS calls that not lavish or extravagant under the circumstances. So some examples of that would be paying for travel, right? You could pay for business travel. You could pay for business meals. You could pay for supplies. You could pay for equipment. Equipment being, I'm not talking about like machines. I'm talking about your laptop, computer, webcam, microphone, office furniture. All these different things are considered equipment, right? Vehicles. Yep. Yep. Exactly. Vehicles for your business, right? You could be able to write off the full amount of a vehicle, portion of the vehicle, miles. We could talk more about that um, in detail if we want to, Mm. but maximizing deduction is going to be key. Also structure as well. So a lot of um, business owners are in the wrong structure. Actually, over 90% of business owners are in the wrong entity structure, right? So Mm. not not 90%, uh, 76% of businesses are in the wrong entity structure, right? So Legal entity, that's going to be how you're taxed. So you can be taxed as a sole proprietorship. You can be taxed as a partnership, mm. S-corporation, C-corporation. Mm. And what happens is a lot of business owners, they start off by default. They start off with a sole proprietorship. If you're LLC, a sing- if you're LLC, just one person, you're automatically a sole proprietorship. And what happens is you end up paying a lot of money in what's called self-employment tax, right? So I recently did a post on this. I did it with the cookie monster and I literally broke down the numbers and showed people how to do it. But basically, basically if you make more than $50,000 in profit in your business, it's worth considering switching over to an S corporation. That could be a whole lesson in and of itself on how to do that and all the details. But basically you can just go ahead and file this form called 2553, the IRS. You can do that for free, but you just want to make sure you work with a professional, help you do that the right way. And then also the uh, C corporation could be an option for you too. So that is another opportunity, but there's so, so many, but I think those are the two biggest ones that I think people need to, to focus on. Oh, bro, you, you, you went into so many things right there that I, I don't even know which one I want to tackle first. Um, <laughs> the first thing I got to say is about the ignorance tax. The, I, I, I really resonate with that because I tell people all the time that 
for example, and I'm not getting political, but uh, Donald Trump, when it came out that he only paid 700 in taxes over how many years, blah, blah, blah. So many people were, oh man, that's terrible. The rich always do getting away with things, blah, blah, blah. I was like, oh, how do you do it? <laughs> Can right. I do it too? Like, I want to know. Yeah. You know what so that's important to not have that ignorance tax because I didn't even know what filing taxes even look like, you know, as I was growing up. Nobody taught me it, but I, I could have just claimed ignorance and then, you know, be in trouble or I could, let me find out. I need to know so I can, you know, improve my life. But here's the next thing. When you're talking about deductions, and I think that this is another area that, and, and, and remind me in case I forget, because I, we got to get into the putting your a car in your business. Yes. As a deduction. You've spoken about that also, but we'll get to that in one second. But talk to me about the pains. And I, and I don't know if this is going to come later when we get into our pop. Not yet. But talk to me about the pains of or, or, or the misconception that w- when a business owner takes it too far with the deductions and then now they may not be able to qualify for like getting a house or something because they don't got no yeah. income because they're writing everything off or whatever. Yeah. What have you seen with that and how should people try to avoid that or balance that out? Yeah. So that's that's definitely an important thing. And that's why tax planning is so important, like having a conversation, vetting out a good accountant CPA. So I did see a question um, about how to vet a good accountant. I could talk about that. Um, but yeah, you want to make sure you're vetting out and being proactive and letting people know what you want to do. Right. Because, yeah, in the year that you are looking to purchase a home or get some type of loan, they're going to look at historical data and probably one of the most one of the more trustworthy documents is going to be your tax return, right? Because if you lie on your tax return, then you're lying to the government and you know that's a big deal, right? So they re- really rely on those tax returns and yeah, they're looking to see if that business is profitable, right? So yeah, what a lot of entrepreneurs unfortunately do is, you know, in order to save money on taxes, they keep running their business to showing it as a loss. That's why a lot of times when you see these statistics that say 90% of businesses fail, it's because they're looking at what's on the tax return and showing as a loss. Most businesses show as a loss. That's where they're pulling that information from. But with that, you have if you have a loss in your business, then no one's going to want to give you money, right? So if, if someone asks you for money and just like, well, are you going to pay me back? It's like, of course I'll pay you back. It's like, well, did you have money last year? It's like, I didn't have money last year. Well, did you? Did you have money the year before or not have money be the year before? Then you it's not likely you're gonna want to give them money, right? So um in those years that you're looking to qualify for a loan or whatever the case is, then you probably don't need to go overboard with the deductions. If you're looking for some deductions that can help you, one of them being, and we didn't get talk to talk about this, but retirement is another opportunity for you to be able to save money on taxes. The benefit of retirement is that you can make contributions, pre-tax contributions into a a retirement account. And then with that, because you have this retirement account, which is an asset, when the loan officer is looking at all your portfolio with your assets and everything and your debt income ratio and all that kind of stuff, they can at least say, okay, this person has assets. They have their retirement account. It's a little bit liquid. So if they really need to pull money out, they can. So that's a way for you to deduct and still be able to increase your chances of qualifying for a loan. But yeah, there's a whole bunch of other things that people struggle with as it relates to that. Another thing that people need to understand too is if you show a loss for more than three years, the IRS can come back and call that a hobby, right? There's what's called the hobby loss rule, right? Mm. And by having a hobby, the IRS doesn't allow you to be able to deduct for hobbies. They they like to be able to deduct for businesses. But you know, if you keep showing a loss for multiple, multiple years, 
they're like, okay, this is not a real business. This is just a way for you to, you know, take a whole bunch of tax write-offs and tax deductions. It's not a real business. And they're going to, they can go back and reverse all those deductions that you had. And now you have to pay fines and penalties and all that kind of stuff. So that's another consequence of ignorance taxes. You pay fines, penalties, you overpaying taxes as well. So yeah, it's, it's, it's a balance. It is, it requires again, planning strategy and just thinking long-term. So that's, I think that's one of the things that people need to do. And I know it's, it's intimidating, right? It's intimidating to want to talk about taxes look at taxes, right? People would rather, rather share with you how much they weigh versus tell you how much, you know, <laughs> you know what their tax situation is. You know what yeah. I mean? So it's just, it's just the reality of it. But instead of trying to avoid it and trying to run away from it, it's something that we can't avoid, right? The only thing that that's certain in life is death and taxes. So we got to face it head on. We got to look at it. We got to understand what's going on with it. That's what's up, man. This is one of the most powerful conversations I've had on, on the show. I think uh, it, it, it from, from our personal stories that we're sharing to the importance of taxes and, and the penalty penalties that you can incur. Uh, yeah, this is powerful, man. So, so we got to get into the card. <laughs> put yes. your car on your business and then and then after that we'll go back into just you know if you're gonna start your own tax business but but for any entrepreneur out there how do they add a car on their business name and then use that as a write-off too yes okay so one of the things that you could do as a business owner is you could be able to write off vehicles through the business there's different ways you can do it there's different levels so it all depends on really we talked about that free acronym so for your business regular essential and economical, right? So if you meet all those requirements, then you should be able to do it, right? That key thing is economical though. So yes, if you if you have a vehicle, if you if you are interested in getting a vehicle that weighs over six thousand pounds, you do have the ability to write off one hundred percent of that vehicle within over the first 6, year. Pounds, you said? Six thousand pounds. Six thousand pounds, okay. Six thousand pounds. You could write it off the full the full amount using what's called section one seventy nine and also bonus depreciation. This is actually one of the last years they're going to allow you to do that fully. Uh, they're actually phasing that out. So just keep that in mind. It was something that was put in place when Trump got into office. Well, actually, it was in place before that um, when George Bush you know, put it in there because he was trying to get people to buy SUVs so he can make money with gas and all that kind of stuff, right? So, But they're phasing that out because a lot of people are doing it. But as you can imagine, so you could purchase this vehicle you want to, the, the best practice way is to get it under your business name, right? Typically, if a vehicle weighs over 6,000 pounds, it's going to cost multiple six figures, right? Over six figures. So the key thing that you all need to understand is that your business should be making substantially more than that vehicle amount, right? So for instance, if you're, if you're looking to purchase, purchase a vehicle that weighs a cost of 150, I don't recommend people doing that unless you, this is super conservative, unless you're making like over a million dollars, but some people do that. But the reason why is because it's going to be seen as lavish or extravagant for your business, right? So people like Grant Cardone, right? Can do that because they have uh, an eight, 10, uh, nine figure business, right? So they can do easily do stuff like that. 50 cent one year, he noticed that he owed a whole bunch of money to the IRS. He ended up buying like five cars or whatever the case is, right? Uh-huh. So you want to make sure your business is making enough money in order to justify that. So that's one one of the components of it, right? And the beauty and beautiful thing about it is you're using what's called appreciation. So you don't have to necessarily pay the full amount in cash, right? You can leverage business credit, which I know Bees talks about all the time. Leverage your business credit. Go ahead and purchase that vehicle. 
And then you could, you know, again, if you use it in service during the year, which is before December 31st, you drive it for business purposes. Then, and you use it 100% for business. That's another key thing, too, right? So it needs to be, you need to record the business miles to determine what percentage you're using it for business. So typically, you know, it's a little bit, it's a little bit risky to say you're using it 100% for business purposes unless you have another vehicle, right? Then you can say this vehicle is for personal, this vehicle is for business. So this 100% for business, that's easier to justify. So that is vehicles over 6,000 pounds. If it's less than 6,000 pounds, there's another opportunity for you to be able to write it off. You're just going to be basically using the depreciation table with the IRS. So the first year they allow you to deduct 18,000 200 the first year with bonus depreciation. Second year, you could deduct 16,200, 9,800, 6,000, no, sorry, 5,860 for the fifth year and every year going forward, or sorry, the fourth year and every year after that, right? Until you fully write off the vehicle. That's another way. And then that's the actual method. The actual method allows you to be able to deduct the gas that you're spending on the vehicle, maintenance, all those kind of things that you're spending money. So the actual expenses, then you have what's called the standard mileage method, right? The Mm -hmm. standard mileage method allows you to be able to write off business miles for every business mile that you drive. Instead of deducting the full amount of the vehicle or the portion of the vehicle, you're deducting for every business mile. So that's something that's more applicable to the majority of business owners. That's easier to justify. And for every business model, again, that you drive historically, well, and I say historically, as in like a few days, a few days ago, um, <laughs> it was 58 cents, about 58.5 cents that you could deduct. The IRS increased that due to inflation. So I think now it's up to like 62 cents. So they gave us an extra four cents <laughs> um, to be able to make up for the inflation and, and gases. But yeah, you just want to, with both methods, you want to make sure you are recording your business miles you want to do so um there's apps out there you can use the quickbooks app they have an app that you can use to be able to record business miles you can also use my iq and there's a whole bunch of other ones so whatever is going to allow you to be consistent in recording your miles then you go ahead and do that okay okay so the above six thousand pounds that's phasing away but the under six thousand or or anything in general the yeah methods those are not going anywhere yeah, 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 for sure. So, the, oh, and not that it's going out completely. It's just uh, you may not necessarily be able to deduct one hundred percent right away. Like, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. So, w- w- one last follow up question with that: What about if you have an electric vehicle in your business name? Because now you know that 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 what is it like seventy five hundred dollar crash? The credit that you get for getting an electric vehicle. Does that now apply as a credit to the business and then go down on your schedule K to the individual? Uh, are you able to deduct things? Because obviously it's not gas. Are you still able to deduct the miles that's being driven because it's still depreciating the value of the car? Like, how does that one work? Yeah, that's that's a good question. So, yeah, with that, you get yeah, you get you get a, a tax credit for that one. Also, you know, the Tesla does qualify. There's I think a Tesla Model X, I think it is that weighs over six thousand pounds. Mm-hmm. So you could still use that one to be able to deduct for deduct for the the bonus so, depreciation section one seventy nine, and then yeah, so it's not going to be yeah you're right. So with 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 the mileage on that, based on my understanding, yeah, you still you're still able to use the mileage rate on that one as well. 
Okay. Okay. Cool. So, yeah. so now let's get let's shift shift focus again, right? Because we've been talking about taxes in general for any entrepreneur that is going to be important for you to know and to, to utilize to take advantage of. But now, if you want, if somebody wants to start a tax business, right? Matter of fact, we might as well go into our pop segment. We might as well start it off with our pop. <laughs> Right. So we're going to look, if you are starting a tax business, the first thing you need to know is that you should also focus on tax strategy, not just on tax filing for your clients. But what are some of the pros of starting a tax business, the opportunities that exist that's going to make it even more beneficial to get into that space? And most importantly, the problems that you see that someone would face in order to get into that space. Yeah. So the pros are, are this. Taxes are not going anywhere. They, they've been around for pretty much forever, right? A couple of hundred years or so, right? So and so it's not so it's an industry that's recession proof. Literally it's recession proof every single year. It doesn't matter what's going on in the economy. It doesn't matter what's going on in the world. People have to file their taxes. They have to get that stuff done. The opportunity now is that one, it's an area that most people are afraid to learn and they don't know. People are always going to need help on that. And the real opportunity is again, helping people with tax strategies, right? It is a very, very, very small market of individuals that know how to help people proactively save money on taxes, even like as a CPA, right? So as the CPA, less than 1% of CPAs are black. So that's an, that shows you like how underserved and how underrepresented the, the, the industry is. So it's a huge opportunity to be able to get clients here. And like I said, the opportunity and one of the things that I love about tax planning is that it really provides more value to the client, right? So the, the client is more excited about working with you and they're willing to pay you a lot more. So one of the things that I teach people in my program, right? I have a program now called Leap From Pros, like literally breaking down my strategy on how I was able to grow this amazing tax business that I have. And it's really centered around tax planning, right? I don't do a ton of tax prep. I kind of phase myself out of tax prep. But with tax planning, the beautiful thing is you can immediately show a client value, right? So if you're able to demonstrate to a client that, hey, I could help you save $20,000 in taxes for this year and every year going forward, they'll easily want to spend, you know, up to 20,000, right? If they wanted to, right? Because you're able to help me save 20,000 this year and I could save 20,000 for the rest of my life. I could pay you 20,000, 10,000, 5,000, whatever that number is for you versus doing a tax, doing tax prep, which usually the most people would charge for that is maybe a thousand dollars, right? That's on the high end, but usually people charge between 300 to 500. So it's a huge opportunity. It's really an area that I think is, again, a lot of people are not doing. So, you know, now, now, now I'm noticing that more people are talking about it. I don't know if I had part some influence over that, but, you know, <laughs> that's a discussion for an, another day. But yeah, a lot of more people are talking about it. And it's just, it's just, so that's a huge opportunity there. And then also um, some problems. I would say probably the biggest problem, honestly, is that, you know, the industry is, there's always changes, right? So literally there's new changes to the tax code. The tax code has over, at, as of 2001, I think there's over 74,608 pages in the tax code. That continues to increase. Uh, Donald Trump came in, completely switched things up. So that added a whole bunch of other pages on the tax code. Joe Biden's coming to look in, to increase tax revenue to two to four trillion over the next 10 years. 
So he's looking to make some changes. He's going to increase the individual individual tax rates from from 37% back up to 39%. He's looking to increase corporate tax rates from 21%. So I believe 28%. He's looking to tax individuals more who are making more than 400,000. So there's all these different changes. I think that's one of the the biggest issues just keeping up with, you know, all the different changes and nuances and stuff. So that's, that's why I say is the problem in the industry. Ooh, I love it. I love it. That was a perfect pop segment. Um, I, I'd also say this and tell me if this is true or not, but it seems to me, because I know a few people who have uh, tax business, tax prep businesses, they may not do the tax strategy, but yeah. it seems to me that a lot of, if you get into this industry, you, you got to work hard between January and April, May or so, but then you have a little bit more free time for the rest of the year. And a lot of times people in this industry, they make the pretty much all of their money during that those first few months, and then they kind of relax for the rest of the year. Is that kind of the case in the tax prep side, I guess? Yeah, yeah, for sure. You got it right. So tax prep, that's how it is. So you work hard for January till about April. We work busy seasons. I, you know, I was doing that, doing that, but then, you know, you make, you make a good amount of money and you could either chill or, you know, you pretty much don't have any money. So you have to find other ways to make money. So with this model, the beautiful thing with this model is that you're able to basically have a consistent, steady flow of clients from January to December. There's no guessing if you want to go hard from January to April, you can. If you want to continue making, if you if you want to completely disappear during tax season and then pop back out, you can. Like so, it's, it really gives you a lot of flexibility because at the end of the day, people are, are always going to want to understand how to save money on taxes. And the beautiful thing is, a lot of people are thinking about how to save money on taxes either towards the end of the year or during tax season. So it's real like, oh, uh, if you really want to talk about like cycles or whatever for that type of model, it's almost like nine months. You know what I mean? That people are like really just like thinking about it, considering it, trying to find write-offs at the end of the year. Then they they start doing their taxes in February and they're like, oh man, I owe all this money. I, I, don't, I don't want to pay this. What can I do? And then they're looking for someone like me to help them try to fix that situation. But the the unfortunate thing is, you know, with tax prep is looking at what you did in the prior year, right? So you're pretty much stuck with that number, right? There are things that we can do, but with tax planning, it's that proactive, like, hey, this is what you can do. This is how you can save money. So that's that's one of the beautiful things about it. And again, you could charge, you know, 3,000, 5,000, 10,000, 25, 30, like it really the sky's the limit because it's really based on the value that you're providing. With tax prep, there's not a lot of value. You're just data entry, sending numbers to the IRS, which is, you know, no shade to people who are doing that, but there's not a ton of value doing that. So, okay. So, so we, we got to start to wrap it up with my favorite questions. <laughs> you already see the shirt. I buy That's businesses. Good. Now you already know that I focus on business acquisitions, right? And it's the best sure. thing that you could do because it's the best investment that you could make because you, it has the highest returns. It has a potential for the highest returns and you get a little bit more control Right. Instead of buying a share of stock, you buy a company and you can control the direction of it and how, how much it can grow and, 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 and scale. Have you ever thought about buying a tax prep business or a tax strategy business that you could then roll up into your current business to increase the value of your business and then maybe have an exit later on? I've thought about it. You've, you've actually got me thinking about it. So 
<laughs> now, now, I will tell you this, though, because a lot, a lot of times, obviously, that's one strategy. Whatever business you got, this is how the wealthy grow their business, how they scale their business. They acquire other ones, right? Sure. Things that, that have a, a degree of, of, you know, what's it, synchronicity. <laughs> what do you yeah. word? But, you know, it, it, they, they work well together, right, in the vertical or the horizontal. Now, in business acquisitions, if you make it a business of acquiring businesses, I don't even look for a specific industry. I just say, hey, whatever good deal, whatever the numbers look like, all right, I'm going to acquire it. So it could be a random laundromat and I'm not working in it either because I'm always going to make sure that it has enough cash flow in it to hire another operator, a CEO, a COO, whatever. So I don't have to work in it. Now, hearing that, which method would you prefer first? Would you want to acquire a business that's related to your business so that you could help to scale that one, you know, and then maybe exit later? Or would you just rather acquire a business that's cash flowing, that is going to be uh, absentee owned, and it just continues being a cash flowing asset for you? I would say the cash flow for me. Only only because I'm I'm part of the part of the reason why I'm saying that is I do want to have I am interested in having more businesses that are disassociated from my brand, because that's I think that's what that's an issue with a lot of entrepreneurs online is right then you're pretty much, you know, at the mercy of that. So yeah, having that cash flowing business from day one, I think that's amazing. And also, yeah, on top of that too, getting other, acquiring other tax prep businesses and accounting business, because the beautiful thing with those is what I'll probably, what I'll end up doing is when I acquire that business, I'll rinse out all the clients basically and upsell them to tax planning or higher value services. Mm. If there's people who are, you know, who are not business owners or people who probably wouldn't be interested then you know, they'll just go somewhere else. But yeah, that's, that's easy. Cause a lot of, like I said, a lot of entrepreneurs, a lot of people in the tax industry either don't have the knowledge or they're too afraid to understand the knowledge or whatever the case is. So. Okay. Okay. Well then we definitely got to talk also about my uh, trillion dollar club business acquisition program because that's mm. a solution to help you to acquire that business but we'll talk about that offline we'll talk right. about that offline. <laughs> so, but since i did mention the trillion dollar club let me explain to you a challenge that we have going on for this decade it's called the trillion dollar table challenge now the challenge is that by the end of this decade i want to sit in a room with other individuals hopefully that also look like myself and we will have a trillion dollars assets under management, AUM, right? Mm. That doesn't mean a trillion dollars cash in my pocket. It means I have businesses that are cash flowing. I have uh, uh, real estate. I have uh, you know financial market investments. And together, we have a trillion dollars assets under management. Will you be part of that table? I'm there. <laughs> oh, there we go. I love it. I love it. And listen, a lot of people hear it and they're like, trillion dollars. That's insane. But it's entirely possible, right? Oh, yeah. And not that it's possible, but probable because now we're buying businesses. And the same things that it takes to buy a $1 million business is the same thing you could do to get a $1 billion business with no money out of your pocket using what I teach is the leverage buyout, the LBO strategy, right? So now, hey, if you could get businesses and continue getting these cash flowing assets with no money out of your pocket, why not just continue growing your portfolio over and over, right? So that's what's up. I'm happy to hear that Michelle Valbrun will be part of the trillion dollar table. Y'all heard it here first. 
so we can come <laughs> back at the end of this at the end of this decade and say, hey, how many people we got together and what have we done? All right. For so sure. that's what's up, my brother. Hey, man, listen, it's been a pleasure talking to you. Um, wow, this was a really great conversation. You know, we we started off getting personal, and you know, I think that was a, a breath of fresh air for people to to hear and see. And then we got into actual information, right? Yeah, uh, sure. from, from, a, from a tax perspective, and then how to get into that industry. So thank you again for joining me, Michelle. How can the people find you? How can they get in touch with you if they need anything? Absolutely, yes. So you guys could go ahead and follow me on pretty much all social media platforms at Michelle Valbrun. So M-I-C-H-E-L-V as in Victor, A as in Apple, L as in Lima, B as in Boy, R as in Rainbow, U as in Umbrella, N as in Nancy. So Michelle Valbrun, um, most active on Instagram. And then also you, you can also, for a free gift, I'm also giving you guys my... Tax Wealth Secrets book, literally showing you how to save ten to $100,000 in tax legally and ethically. You can go ahead and text me in my, you can go ahead and text free to 404-737-1475. That's free to 404-737-1475. You get instant access to that ebook, literally breaking out all the plays. And then also, if you're interested in learning how to grow your uh, six to seven figure accounting and tax business, um, doing it smarter, not harder. Cause I, I'd even get into the details of how much I struggled <laughs> getting to this point with, with this type of business. But if you want to get there smarter, not harder and do some and work with someone who's literally in, in my humble opinion, top two, not two tax king, literally running the industry, um, you know, make sure you go ahead and tap in and look into elitefrompros.com. That's where you find all the information and, you know, go ahead and submit an application, see if it makes sense for us to work together. There we go. There we go. And we will put any links in the description so everybody will be able to reach you. Plus, they can text you. Definitely mention also that you found Michelle here on Entrepreneurship Exposed with your guy, Bees. Michelle, thank you, brother. Again, much love, much appreciation. Looking forward to working, continuing to work with you. Looking forward to building with you. Looking forward to buying business with you. Looking forward to (laughs) building out a table with you. We're going to make this happen, man. Thank you, my brother. Appreciate you. Thank you, everybody, for joining us for another episode of Entrepreneurship Exposed, where we expose all of the ins and outs of every strategy that you can do as an entrepreneur. We'll see you on the next episode. Let's there go. It is.